Welcome to Stepmoms Uncut Podcast. There is a trigger warning because in this episode we do speak about baby loss. In this episode, I am joined with my good friend Polly, who I met via the Stepmoms Club on Instagram, which is a community for stepmoms and birth mums where we broach the topic of blended families. Polly is a stepmom of two beautiful children. But in her stepmothering journey, she did want an ours baby, as we say in the blended family terminology. When she went ahead to try and conceive, she found out that it was not going to be as simple. So then she embarked on an IVF journey. We are going to be talking about how she managed to go through the kind of ups and downs that stepmothers face and also the ups and downs that you will experience when going through IVF. What does IVF look like for Polly? What does IVF look like for someone in a blended family? Go ahead and stay locked in. So, so, so excited to have you here, Polly, with us today, because we met via Instagram on the Stepmoms Club. This is going to be like our first proper chat outside of drama, outside of blended family drama. So I'm really looking forward to having um, a proper calm, well, I say calm, but like a proper chat, basically. Most mothers know that the whole kind of journey of trying to conceive is a really heavy emotional journey that a lot of women do embark and only recently women are starting to talk about their journeys but then if you match up stepmoms and all the kind of trials and tribulations that they go through it's probably going to be an even more crazy heavy burdened emotional journey and today Polly I know this is basically what you've been through just talk about what it's like for you being a stepmom first so that for the stepmoms out there that come into a relationship and their first kind of experience being a mom is a stepmom let's just lay that foundation and hear what that was like for you okay so first of all thank you for having me because you know Scylla I think I've connected with you on a whole different level mainly based on drama but um have loved it either way yeah so um <laughs> Me and my partner got together when we were very young um, and he had had his children young. So he became a dad for the first time at 18, sort of just turning 18. And when me and him got together, he was sort of getting into his 20s. But I was then only 18. And so I suppose at the time I never really understood what it meant to be with someone who had children. I never truly understood what that role was. And I think if you asked me to go back, I would be way more hesitant at getting into something like that because I was nowhere near prepared for what it entailed. But that being said, obviously we are still together and the you know children are grown up now and it's all, all very, very different. But I think it was really, really hard when you're so young as well to enter a broken family as well. You know, it was very much not functional. So that adds a whole different 
layer of drama to it all. And I suppose at the beginning, because he wasn't seeing his children consistently, I suppose it never really, I never felt like a stepmom, you know, at that point. I think the turning point for me when I really felt like, oh, wow, like I am a stepmom and these are my stepsons is probably when we moved in together and it it cemented our relationship, I suppose. And that was sort of three or four years into, you know, into our relationship. So how long have you been together now currently? So we have been together um, 10 years, just gone, December, just gone officially. Um, wow. I know, but I have known him since before his second child was born. So nothing happened for us for quite a while. Met sort of on the rave scene, as you do when you're younger. And, and no one can quite believe that we're still together after all this time, because I don't even think we thought it would be it would be something serious. But here we are engaged, living together, beautiful little girl and two gorgeous stepson for me but sons for him so it's by no means perfect but it's our life and you know it, it is what it is I suppose. Now that we know a bit about your stepmom journey or the introduction to it at what kind of stage did you feel like okay I'm now ready for a baby of my own? Well I've always been maternal so I always knew I wanted to be a mum it was never a you know it was never a question for me and I think when we started consistently seeing his children so before you know before there was consistency and he would sort of see them every now and then at the very early days of our relationship I would always sort of have that feeling in my heart like whoa she's you know birth mum has got something over me here because there's a you know there's a real connection I would love to have you know I want to have his children I want to have that you know I want to have that hold not hold over him but you know that sort of hold yeah, I always knew I wanted to to be a mum and have his children, but I wasn't prepared to become a stereotype. So I'm very career driven. I love my job and I always have. And I didn't want to sort of just have a child with him young when we weren't mature enough. And also when he wasn't seeing his children consistently, my attitude was always at that point. Why am I going to bring another child into this if there isn't a healthy setup already? And then I think at the point, and I can't remember years and times and all the rest of it, it to exact detail, but I think at the point I was, I felt ready to have children with him. And, and I remember being in bed and I sort of turned over to him and I said, I, I think we should try for a baby. He was a bit like, whoa, really? But I had this feeling it was going to take a long time. So we sort of started conversations and, and, and he agreed. And then obviously it took well, not obviously, but it, it ended up taking way longer than I thought it, you know, even though I thought it might take a while, it ended up not happening for four or five years, really. So it was it was really hard because the moment I wanted one, I wanted one tomorrow. I didn't want to wait. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was hard. So I guess this is a great segue into talking about your trying to conceive hmm. journey. So if you want to just stars from the moment okay you, you guys you had agreed fine let's try for a baby what what did that look like for you what when did you realize that okay we might we might need some help going forward so the reason I thought it might take me a while was because it took my mum a while and I remember reading somewhere at the time and I don't know if it was fact-based or not but it said something about it's quite common if a, if a mum has a struggles to conceive that their child will then maybe struggle to conceive and I can't remember where I read it but that sort of planted a seed in my head 
And I remember sort of one month turned to two months, two months turned to six, six months turned to a year. And I was like, whoa, I'm still still not pregnant. Haven't haven't even fell pregnant and miscarried. It's just not happening. So I sort of I'm anyone who knows me will know what a planner I am. And I don't sort of sit around and wait. I'm a doer. So I was straight down to the doctors. I was saying, you know, it it wasn't happening. I said we'd been trying longer than we had because I expected that there would be delays or they would want us to have tried for a certain amount of time and then I suppose once they started doing tests and at first they were sort of saying we can't see anything wrong but I almost wanted there to be something wrong so that it could be fixed and then I was just one of many people that it was just put down to unexplained infertility um so I was at, at various points it was sort of at one point we tried um a particular type of drug called Clomid, which is basically um, a tablet you take for sort of five days of your cycle. It encourages your body to ovulate because they thought maybe one of the things was I wasn't ovulating properly. And you're allowed on the NHS six cycles, six funded cycles where you were at the time of Clomid. And on my sixth go, I did actually fall pregnant. Um, but unfortunately, that ended up in a miscarriage. It was quite early on, but it was still heartbreaking. Um, and then it wasn't until sort of a year and a half after that Clomid cycle and pregnancy, because I, obviously I got into a really bad place after that, that we then got accepted onto IVF. And, and that's how we actually had our little girl through IVF. Wow. I guess my whole thing is, is what I, what I'd like to try and understand and what I think maybe our listeners may want to know is how are you managing to be a stepmom by however you measure your role and go through miscarrying and then being told, okay, the only way you're going to get your beautiful ours baby, as we call it in the blended family world, um, is via IVF. How are you functioning? Did you have to like step back from being a stepmom and kind of compose yourself and get ready for your journey into IVF whilst, I guess, not getting over, but maybe grieving the loss of the baby that you miscarried? Or was you able to still kind of function? Like how, how did you get through it to then get to the place that you are today? The irony is that the year that I miscarried was the year that well it was our first Christmas that we were sort of uh, it was a court order that we, we were allowed to have the children and so the irony of it was that for me it was my worst worst Christmas ever but yeah it was also the best Christmas in in so many other ways because it was an opportunity for us to enjoy the boys and and enjoy having them from Boxing Day, not from Christmas. So it was it was really bittersweet at that moment because I was really conflicted between grieving the thing I really wanted so badly versus loving the other thing that we also fought so hard for. So it was a really weird timing, actually. And and for whether you're religious or philosophical or whatever, it, there was something about that timing that just made it all a bit um, not easier because, like I said, I, I went into a really bad place. But it, it shifted my focus a little bit and allowed me to be a bit distracted. And I suppose in terms of how 
how I was able to be a stepmom and also grieved for the child I wasn't having, but also yearned for the child that I still wanted. It's such a lonely place anyway, when you're trying to conceive, take away being a stepmom, take away anything else. And then you're going to, you know, you're, you're trying each cycle for the, the one thing that, like I said already, that, that I felt like birth mum had over me and I couldn't give it to him. And, and I know it wasn't just about giving it to him, but that, that's how I saw it at that, at that moment. And I remember each month, you know, having to put on a brave face or crying in the toilet when I looked down and realised, oh, no, not again this month or, or whatever. It was really hard and, and it was really lonely because they couldn't know and they were obviously way too young to understand. Birth mum definitely couldn't know because I didn't want her to think that, you know, she had anything over me. And for my partner, he was just in this bubble of happiness because he had his boys and I think I was I was happy as well that we had you know that we had the boys but and I don't think he quite realized as well at the same time how sad I was because for me I felt like there was a missing piece of the jigsaw so it was such a it was such a conflicting time and it how I'm saying it now probably sounds quite chaotic but that's how it felt at the time it just felt chaotic yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's, it's very heavy, isn't it? Yeah, really. <laughs> but you are articulating yourself so very well, actually. But you did say something that made me go, mm, Polly, <laughs> when you said, um, I didn't want birth mom to feel like she had anything over me. Mm. Do you want to take me back to your thought process around that? Because I don't know, like, well, us stepmoms, we tend to get ourselves into negative spaces. Mm. But obviously, where you're dealing with so much, I guess I can give you a bligh. But I want to just know where your head was at when you're thinking, I don't want her to have one over me. So there was a lot of immaturity at the time, first of all. And at that time, I think it's fair to say not everyone was as child focused and was a lot more sort of drama driven and and it was a bit more tit for tat at the time there were good days and bad days and good months and and good years actually but I think I always felt like and it was just a a personal feeling because I know actually if someone was to shake me and go that isn't the reality I probably would have understood but I just sort of felt like he could go back tomorrow because I knew as well well I felt like at the time if she opened the door or sorry not if she opened the door but if he went back she would open the door and let him back in because she was desperate for the you know mum dad two kids she wanted the perfect family which loads of people strive for and I just felt like I, I couldn't give that now if if me and him were ever talking and I said that, you know, he would go, oh, don't be so stupid. You know, what are you talking about? We've, it's all fine here. But I just felt like, no, she's given you something that I really want to give you. And I really want to let you be a dad from the beginning consistently. You know, I don't want you to miss a night feed or the first crawl or the first sit up or whatever it is. Because he was so young when he had the boys, he wasn't consistent. And, you know, him him, him himself, he would tell you that he wasn't consistent because he was too young. So, yeah, I think that's why I felt like she had one over because at any point that they could be the, you know, mum, dad and two kids. And I, and I couldn't be that. I couldn't give, give him that. So when you finally started your IVF, right, mm-hmm. 
what was that process like? Is it is it something that you had to keep a secret? Did you have support from your family? Did your partner's family know? What, what was it like with the in-laws and your family when going through that IVF process? For me, I know nothing about it. I, I know a few friends who have had IVF, but I've never felt, I've always felt it a bit intrusive to ask, you know, what was it like? What does the process actually look like? So if you don't mind mm-hmm. could you just kind of give us a snippet into what IVF actually entails and then also um if you could share you know what kind of support you had and if it's something that you had to keep between or you felt to keep between you and your partner so I am very much an oversharer um and very much an open book and I didn't actually keep it a secret from very many people at all. My boss knew, most, most of the people, my, my, the rest of my team didn't. But, you know, my boss, my friends at work, my mum, everyone was rooting for me to the point that, you know, on the day that I had to test, that everyone was texting me before I could text them. So there was no one really that didn't know <laughs> on the day that I found out I was pregnant. So what we basically had to do, we went to um, an appointment in uh, January, which was like a group meeting with lots of other couples. And they just talked you through the IVF process and and what was going to happen. And then there was three other meetings you had to have. So you had to meet the doctor and no, sorry, two other meetings you had to have. You had to meet the doctor and the nurse. So you meet the doctor first. They look at your history, you know, how long you've been trying, whether you're going to have IVF or something called IUI. They're slightly different. We, we had IVF. And then you so you do that one week and then the next week you come back and meet the nurse. So the next week we came back and met the nurse and we went to the appointment. And I remember at the time it, it was the beast of the east. Do you remember that awful storm we had in the UK? And um, it was thick snow. And I was thinking, we're not going to get to this meeting. How are we going to, you know, what are we going to do? So anyway, we got to this meeting and we were in the in the appointment with the nurse and she was talking through timings and she was saying, look, we've got no, you know, just to manage your expectations. It, it, this isn't a pro, you know, this you're not going to start tomorrow. This is going to be quite a, you know, a long process and we'll see where we can slot you in. But then by the end of the appointment with this nurse, she said, oh, actually, I've just realized we've had a cancellation. We've got a cycle and you can start next week. So I was like, whoa. So we, we looked at each other and I said, well, if if that worked and we started it, when would that give me a due date? And the due date was Christmas Day. And it felt like this, re- no, Christmas Eve, sorry. And it felt like this really bitter, sweet sort of moment because obviously that was the day that I officially miscarried a few years prior. And it just felt like it was meant to be. So we sort of looked at each other and felt like we had to make the decision on the spot. And we, you know, agreed, yeah, we'll we'll go for it. Because there wasn't that much time then to worry about what we had to do. And the whole IVF process for anybody who doesn't know, my, my process anyway, we had to take, I had to take the pill for a certain number of weeks to sort of encourage um, my cycle. And then I had to do a number of injections from a certain point in that cycle to encourage my body to ovulate, create eggs and ovulate. So each night it was a case of, you know, doing an injection into my tummy and then hoping for the best, really. We also had to go to numerous scans, which were sort of every week for a few weeks. And then at the point that they knew I'd created enough eggs 
they arrange for egg collection, sperm donation, and then they create the baby effectively. So it was such a whirlwind because it happened so quickly. But the boys and their mum, you know, those sort of people, they didn't know that we were going through it. I mean, I think that the birth mum sort of knew something was going on, but it was never spoken about, you know, from us with the boys because I suppose I didn't want to build up their expectations that we were going to give them this brother or sister and I also didn't want to rock the boat in case actually they didn't want a brother or sister because I think they had it great at our house they had you know sort of mum dad attention in our house from me and you know me and my partner Um, whereas at their house it was just their mum their little sister and them so I think it was much easier at our house to give that sort of one-on-one attention and and each son, you know, each boy would gravitate towards one of us. So I was really nervous that actually it was just going to rock the boat and rock the dynamics. But yeah, it was, it was tough because you're injecting yourself with all these hormones on top of, you know, your normal womanly hormones. Then you're dealing with, you've got this massive sense of hope and you're just really hoping and praying that it's all going to work And you're also preparing yourself for heartbreak because having tried for so long and feeling a little bit like you've sort of got that doubt already, you never believe it's going to work. So, yeah, it was it was real mixed, mixed bag stuff, actually. So after that whole process, obviously, we finally get baby and now you're pregnant. For me, being pregnant and being a stepmom is not an easy task. And the normal kind of anxiety that a lot of stepmoms get, I don't know if you got it, but the kind of anxiety around transition days. So when stepkids come and then when stepkids go, maybe kind of any disciplinary issues, just the extra noise, the extra cooking, the extra cleaning, all of that was just a wow for me when I was pregnant I don't carry well anyway like I'm always ill fatigued and every other bad thing that can happen happens to my hormones and my body so for you what was that like first time being pregnant having been through hell and high water to get pregnant are you now enjoying your pregnancy whilst being a stepmom are the boys you know are your stepsons happy and excited or are they exactly the same are you stressed what was that like they were really, really excited at first when we told them and we'd done this whole sort of like treasure hunt to get them to find the clues. And so it was really lovely. But outside of it being really lovely when they were coming to us, there was drama and between between adults. It was so stressful outside of the happy medium we had at home. And actually, we'd, we'd had quite a good run of it, you know, with no drama for a long time. and then not long after I announced I was pregnant sort of different situations happened and and I think some of the some of it the children were naturally thinking not jealous but they were a bit like hold on a minute this isn't and kids are clever you know kids are able to play parents off against each other without realizing they're doing it but just because they're craving that sort of attention from different different people at different times I just took a step back from a lot of the drama at that point because I didn't want to risk anything in the pregnancy and then it became you know there were like I I think I said before good days bad days good months bad months in in the pregnancy they came to the baby shower they loved it they opened up all her presents they were so excited you know the, the closer it got and when she was you know moving in my tummy and they could 
um, see it all happening. They were absolutely buzzing at the thought of having another little sister. Um, when she was born, they came to the hospital on that day, you know, and, and me and birth mum had been texting the day before and she sent me a lovely message about, you, you know, you're now going to get your, your own baby, you're going to make a great mum. It was a lovely message that I hadn't expected. And my daughter got taken into intensive care quite quickly and the boys, you know, had to come in and that's where they saw her. And so I think from the beginning, they felt this sort of protective bond over her. And there's obviously quite a big age gap because when she was born, they were 10 and 8 turning 9. So they were, it was, there was quite a big gap. So they were old enough to sort of understand that the baby was really little, but not, you know, not young enough to not get it. So it was actually quite a nice age gap because they were really helpful and God, they loved it. They would feed her, they would burp her, <laughs> they would watch her while I had a shower. It was actually brilliant. Um, but it was also really anxious and worrying for me because, like you say, transition days, or I was always sort of preempting is there going to be a drama? Is there going to be an argument? When she was only a couple of weeks old, there was a massive kickoff about something. And, and then all of a sudden, I had my own little person that I had to protect. And I sort of, it wasn't like a different love. It wasn't anything like that because I, I still loved the boys and I loved my child, but I just sort of thought, oh my God, this is now my person that I have to protect as well as the boys. So that was a bit of a shift. I think when I became a mum, that was something that definitely changed. Do you feel a different type of love for baby girl compared to how you feel the love for your stepsons is there a clear difference or are you going to let us know and tell us that you feel exactly the same no because that would be cliche <laughs> I'm not gonna say you feel the same okay girl. <laughs> but, but you don't love them any less so I didn't have my daughter and then thought right there you go now off you go boys you kept me yeah. you know you kept the bed warm while I was waiting for her but now she's here it definitely yeah. wasn't anything like that but I sort of think that I can control what happens in her life to a certain extent. I can look after her. I make decisions over her. I'm her mum. I can't do as much of that with them because they've got their own mum. So it's a different love, I suppose, because I feel solely responsible for this little baby. Obviously, her dad is also responsible, but I feel like you know she is mine and I've got a bit of control over that so I think that's the difference in love it's that you know you, you don't love them any less but this this other person you've made is, is yours and I love nothing more than seeing them with their sister I'm at my happiest when we're all together and everyone's getting on and laughing and joking and having a nice time and I'm at my unhappiest when there's drama and negativity and, you know, twisted stories and all the rest of it. So that, that sort of my highest and lowest points involve both all three of those children together. Amazing. Um, wow. You shared so much. And I guess now we're coming to the end. What I really would like to know is, are there any more babies on the horizon? I would love another child and if my other half listens to this he'll be rolling his eyes because he thinks we have got a really nice balance at the moment which we do and obviously I don't know if it would happen 
naturally again or we do have one little embryo on ice so I don't know I would love I would love another child but if I don't have another child I feel like I've got my daughter we've got the boys and you know we get the best of both worlds so I won't feel unfulfilled if I don't have another one but I would definitely love to bring another one into this mad mix that we've got going on (laughs) now in hindsight what golden nuggets could you offer to anyone that's listening who may be trying to conceive and who's a stepmom or doesn't yet have a child and they may be thinking about it from all that you've gone through and all that you've learned what kind of golden nuggets would you give a stepmom to kind of stay sane and have like a kind of clarity of mind when deciding first thing is I would say to let go of what you can't control so and the moment I done that oh god I felt like a weight was off my shoulders so stepped back from the drama um stepped back from the sort of politics around it the and and that's really important when you want to have your own baby as well because you have to be in the right mindset and you have to I love that quote you can't pour from an empty cup so you have to look after you because what else can you give And I think ultimately my house doesn't function without me. So as much as that, you know, I'm not the boy's mum, this house just falls to pieces when when I'm not around to the point that if I'm out and the boys are at home with their dad in the same room, I will still get a text saying, what can I have for lunch or what's for lunch? So (laughs) I, um, I think that it's really important to remember that, everyone else is relying on you so you have to look after yourself so get out for walks by yourself and do stuff for you so that you feel like you can give everybody else you know whatever you need to give them I suppose that and I love going out for walks by myself and leaving all the kids here or you know letting them on at the weekend just gone he took all three kids out and I literally sat at home and done nothing. And it was just wonderful because it's just so important to still, to not lose yourself and not be pulled in every direction. So I suppose they're my sort of golden nuggets and I wish I'd done it sooner. I wish I wish I took a sort of step back a little bit at the beginning and, and didn't invest all my time and energy without looking after myself a little bit more in those early days, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. I think they are amazing golden nuggets that I hope some of our listeners would definitely take on board I think even outside of what we've spoken about today it's so important to try and stay close to who you really are to definitely take breaks just like if you were a birth mum not in any type of blended family you would drop your kids off to grandmas Mm. thank you Polly and really thank you Thank you. Um, thank you for having me. And I hope that I hope that any stepmom who's struggling to conceive or desperate for her own baby feels a little bit less lonely than they may have felt before listening to this. That would be my one sort of um, one sort of hope. And also Scylla's inbox is always open. So go to her. if <laughs> She's ready to help. Um, I am. I am. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Polly. Thank you very much for having me. Guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode and that it brought you something real, relatable and revelational. You know your girl Coach Silla is always here for you. So if you'd like to book a one-to-one with me or join our exclusive membership space, you'll find the details in the bio to do that. 
Don't forget to share the podcast and tag me where you can so I can say thank you. Leave a comment and or a review. And as always, tell your partner to DM and your in-laws too. This is Stepmoms Uncut Podcast. Speak to you soon. Thank you.